0: It's a good day, but I want to tell you something. God does not want you to hear His Word taught today. Let me say that again. God does not want you to hear His Word taught today. But He does want you to do His Word. He does want you to do His Word. Now, I started a message off from the passage we're going to look at by doing this in Romania on a missions trip. We were in Romania, and it was the first time Gwen and I were there, first time I was ever there. And the church there in the heart of Transylvania at uh, a Baptist church, National Baptist Church, all Romanians. Uh, the ladies were all there in their babushkas and, and the men sat on one side and the women sat on the other side. And A church of 500 people. I, I was going to speak before the biggest group I had ever spoke uh, before uh, in my ministry. And speaking to people who had been through Ceaușescu's communist regime who had been persecuted for being Christians and it was just an amazing experience and so I was teaching here on James chapter 1 that we're going to look at and I started out and I did not know I had just met the Baptist pastor I I was recommended by a mentor of mine who was a mutual friend between us so I had just met this pastor he had just met me and as you know I look uh, pretty young for my age, and so I'm up there. He doesn't know who I am from anything. He's kind of looking at me and looking on the outside and saying, what is this guy? What is he doing? And I get up there and I say, God does not want you to hear His Word today. And I said it twice as I just said it now, and, and the translator said it, and I just remember Pastor Dobrine's just sitting over there, and his, his eyes are just getting bigger and bigger, and he's thinking, what have I done letting this guy in my pulpit? And then I said, he doesn't want you to hear his word, he wants you to do his word. And just this big grin and flood of relief came over his face, and I thought, well, that opening introduction accomplished what I wanted in at least one person, and it was the pastor. And so, we want to be reminded. That's what this whole series is about. It's called hoopakuo for some of you that are new. And that's a Greek word that's translated obey in your Bible, but literally it means to put Put yourself under what you hear. It literally is a word for hearing that leads to obeying. And so it's translated obey, but it begins with how you listen. And so that's what this series has been about. And everyone today is going to make a choice to either be a doer of the word or you're going to be a hearer only of the Word. In other words, you're either going to be a person who hupakuos, who hears in order to obey, or you're just going to be a person who hears and literally it goes in one ear and, and out the other and doesn't transform our lives. Now, the difference between being a doer and a hearer is, is, is pretty significant. It's the difference between heaven and hell. It's the difference between receiving forgiveness for our sins or remaining bitter in our sins. It's the difference between God blessing us for what we have done or God cursing us and being under the judgment that many this week were fearful of. You see, on the surface, it's easy to explain the difference between the two. What do doers do? They do. What do hearers do? Nothing. They just hear. They just sit and they listen and they go about their business after they listen. You see, doers who hupakuo see the application of God's word as a divine obligation that they gladly want to obey. But hearers don't hupakuo and they view the application of God's word as a personal option that they'd rather not choose to do. You see, doers of the Word have mastered these spiritual skills for listening to a sermon. And in your notes, you have listed the five skills that we have learned thus far. So if you're going to be a doer, doers have mastered these skills. Now let me say, you may not initially have known that you mastered them. But what happens is, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives you an ear to hear, and He gives you the power to obey what you hear, He gives you an appetite for the Word of God, and He gives you a passion to apply what God has said. All that's in a believer. And slowly, through the example of others, and through discipleship or mentoring, you learn, oh... Uh, In fact, Terry's mom is the one that taught me to write in my Bible. She showed me her Bible. In her Bible, she wrote in her Bible. Hey, she knows God. I want to know God. I want to know God like she knows God. She writes in her Bible. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to write in my Bible. In fact, I think for a while there, I was writing down what she wrote in her Bible. Because that's what you do when you're new in the Lord. You're hungering and learning from others. And so you sit by someone in church and they're taking notes. So what do you do? You take notes. You you see someone that is consistent and coming to hear God's Word. And so so these things begin to happen. But we've broken down the spiritual skills. So look in your notes. Doers of the Word. Know how to hupakuo. And you may not have been able to identify these skills, but when you break them down, you recognize, yeah, this is what I do. Or this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. Number one, an initial, an initial spiritual skill is this. The, the initial thing you need to get is expect to hear from God and not just from man. Who you expect to hear determines how you hear. Secondly, there's a foundational skill, and it's this. Admit, God knows better than I do. God knows. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Number three, there's a critical spiritual skill. Check what what you hear with the Bible. Check what is heard with the Bible. Learn to discern. And then we talked about the countercultural spiritual skill. Come together. To hear the Lord speak on His day. That's what God's people do. And then number five, last week, a practical spiritual skill, listen weekly, not weekly. And man, our group, we had a great discussion of this in our small group last week, and we all went around and we all had an area to grow in, in preparing practically for hearing God's Word. So most of us uh, took the challenge of coming 10 minutes early, and then it was funny because Life is in rhythms, and this class has a rhythm that I have yet to be able to predict. And so today, most of you came later than usual. So, my group, we're all walking around here 10 minutes early looking for people to encourage, and, and for some reason, we kind of came a little later. And so, uh, but I, I commend our group because you guys were here, and uh, I sat and was able to hear Trina's talking about witnessing. Listen, come early. Come with a desire to encourage, prepare your heart to listen. Well, today we're going to look at the the sixth spiritual skill. Remember, these are spiritual because the Holy Spirit gives us the ability. They're a skill because we have to do our part to do it. And here it is, be a doer, be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. That's the sixth essential, and it's essential be a doer of the word to be blessed in your hearing. Now, why is it essential? Because it pro- provides the proof that we not only know how to hoopakuo, but we actually do it. How do you, how, as you go through the series, how are you going to prove that you're applying it? How are you going to prove that you know how to hoopakuo? There's only one way: you listen and then you do that which you have heard. So turn your Bibles to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and let's read through this passage and then we'll break it down and kind of look at it and see how to be a doer of the Word. This is the heart and soul of this series. So let's look at James chapter 1, and uh, let's begin with verse 19 and we'll go through verse 27. Let's read it together. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, notice it says, therefore... My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? To hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So he's saying, look, come, when you come to hear God's Word, come with an eagerness, a quickness to hear. We've talked about that. Quick to hear, quick to obey from the heart. But don't come with an angry spirit. And so he says in verse 21, "...therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But in your receiving, be doers of the word and not hearers only." "...deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is a religious, you could say, if anyone among you thinks he knows how to hupakuo, that he is a doer of the word and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and defiled religion before God, a right relationship that's pure and undefiled before God and the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Lord, help us to hear this today and to hear it with a desire to "...to be doers and not forgetful hearers." Well, let's look at this. Notice it says in verse 22, it says, "...be, be doers." I just want to give you a little background on this this word. This word for be is a word that implies a change in nature and an ongoing process. It, it, It really means become. Or, as the New American Standard translates it, "...prove yourselves." Through the, through the process of time, prove that you're a doer of the Word. Uh, become this. Uh, there needs to be a change in our hearts that then produces a desire to do this. I, I highlight that. Because so often we come... And we just think, okay, i got to try harder. i got to do this. i got to apply more. And I want you to see that even in verse 21, it says the implanted word. You see, God puts his word in us, and then we live out what God puts in. And we forget that. But here's the thing. If God puts the seed of his word in our heart, it's going to grow. It's going to become a doer of the Word. Notice how the message paraphrases it. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the Word of God go in one ear and out the other, and then he just says, and this just capsulates everything, act on what you hear. And so today I want to give you two points. The burden of proof is on us to show that we really know how to hupakuo. The burden of proof is on us. Show yourself, prove yourself to be doers of the word. But the blessing of proof is from God on those who do it. So the burden of proof is ours. The blessing of proof is God. So let's take a look at it. Being a doer of the word is essential because number one, the burden of proof is on us to show we really know how to hupakuo. Now, let's look at this. Doers prove, they hupakuo, by how they prepare their hearts. Here's the proof. The proof is in verse 21. It's how you prepared your heart today that shows that you really came here to be a doer and not a, just a listener. Because let's make this real simple. If you're just here to listen today, how, did you have to, how much did you have to prepare? None, except for what? You had to get up. Get Yeah, get dressed, please. I mean, you know, we don't want people to just listen to God's Word, but I'll tell you this, we don't want them listening naked, okay? So get up in time, get dressed. That's all you had to do. Really, all you had to prepare was physically you had to prepare to get here. That's the only preparation that hearers have to do. What about if you're a doer? Well, there's, also, there's more preparation, but where does the preparation take place? Yeah, not on the outside, but on the inside. And so let's take a look at it. They, doers prove they hupakua, or they, they are here to obey, they're, they're here to hear to obey by how they prepare. Listen to this quote. Just as the key to powerfully preaching God's word is proper preparation of the heart and mind of the preacher, the key to being powerfully impacted by the preaching of God's word is proper preparation of the heart and mind of the hearer. Even the most well-crafted, well-preached sermons will fail to change your life if they are not received by a well-cultivated, well-prepared heart. Wow. Wow. We have as much responsibility to get ready for Sunday as the preacher or the teacher. Doers prepare their hearts for submission to God's Word. That's the key. Doers prepare their hearts. So, what's the inner work I need to do? Turn over your. Well, let's first of all look at verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. There's the idea. You've got to prepare your heart for submission. But turn to first Peter. Turn to first uh, Peter, which is right on the other side of James. First Peter chapter two verses one through three. <coughs> And to hear the same thing. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know what he's saying in verse 3? If you're born again... This is what you desire to do. Again, God has to do the change on the inside. Now, applying God's word to our lives and the lives of others requires a pure and submissive heart. And here, the principle is real easy here. There's no room for God's will in the heart of someone who's dead set on doing their own will. It's really that simple. There's no room in the heart of someone for God's will who's dead set on doing their own will. And I thought, now, how can I, how can I illustrate this? The throne of our hearts is a one-seater. Okay? The throne of our hearts. See, what we want to do is we want to play musical chairs with God, and wherever, you know, whenever the music of God's will stops, then we fight for that one chair, don't we? And if it's something we want to do, we push God off the throne of our hearts and we plant ourselves on that and say, it's my decision. But if we're in a panic and things are going bad, oh, God, please, here, no, really. We quit playing musical chairs and say, it's all yours. And you know why we need Him to sit on that throne half the time? Is because we've been pushing Him off the other half and made a mess of our lives doing our will instead of His will, and now suddenly God come and, and bail me out. And you know what the beauty is of our God? He'll do that. He's a gracious God. But there are consequences for thinking the throne of our heart is a two-seater. So here's what you got to do. Doers of the word know how to get dressed for church. Now, I'm not going to comment on our physical dress today. You know, whether you and I know how, you can comment on mine too. Do we know how to get dressed? Well, here's how you spiritually get dressed for church. Put off. Put off all impurity and rebellious attitudes. Put off. Now, Look at what he says back in James 1.21. He says, lay aside all filthiness. This word filthiness, these ladies are uh, going into the medical field, and so they'll appreciate this. The Greek word for filthiness there, ladies, is a medical term for earwax. Okay? Well, isn't that wonderful? And isn't that... Ir- so get rid of all... And what are we talking? We're talking about listening. Now what do you what do you say, Rick, to someone who who or I should Diana rather what do you say, Diana, to to someone who you keep talking to but they don't hear you? You say clean out your ears. Clean out your ears. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, Look, just like you get earwax built up in your ears and you can't hear, you need and I have spiritual earwax in our hearts, and it's the sin of the stinking attitudes, wrong thinking, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness, angry, resentment, all that dirty stuff that we don't talk about, but it's all in there, and it's blocking us, just like earwax blocks. Now, I spared you this morning. You would not believe. Yes, you would. You would not believe how many weird people videotape them cleaning their ears out, and then put it for public viewing on YouTube. You would not believe. I mean, even showing you what comes out. I mean, I I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, not just a few. There were hundreds to choose from. But I spared you. I spared you that. Because you know what? And and all of you are like, you're you're doing this. You're like, ooh, nasty, right? I really should have done it to make my point. Because here's the thing. (laughs) Because, you know, because really, because here's the thing. Because you guys would have been going, ooh, ah, ah, ah. But you know what? That's what God's saying. And that's what we ought to be saying when we see that gunk coming out of our heart. When we let God examine our hearts before we come to church, and we start cleaning that out, listen, that's not something. I don't want to see your junk. You don't want to see mine. That's between us and God. But it's nasty, dirty stuff. Now, does earwax happen? Yes, okay. And just like other things that happen, sin happens, okay? It's going to happen. And you're going to have to maintain a daily cleansing of your heart, but especially I want I want to challenge us, and this is for me as well, that on Sunday, Saturday night, Sundays because we prepare for Sunday on Saturday, that we begin to do some spiritual cleansing. That we say, "Lord, have I built up any gunk?" in my heart is there any filthy earwax in my spiritual ears that when i come and listen to god's word i'm not going to be able to hear it you got to put it off you simply so so the you, you confess that to god and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins If we confess our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness, but then, number two, put on a pure and submissive attitude. Put on a pure and submissive attitude. Because here's the bottom line. What is at the root of all sin? What's at the center of sin? S-I-N. I. What's at the center of pride? I. The center of sin is pride. And that's an attitude, I want to do what I want to do. And when we confess that, we replace that with an attitude that says, God, I admit you know better than I do, and I'm going to do what pleases you. That's a submissive attitude. So... Really, it comes back to the first two spiritual skills. Expect to hear from God, whoa, if I'm going to hear from Him, I need to put off the rotten attitudes and confess whatever gunk is there. And two, I need to do spiritual skill number two, admit that God knows better than I do. And come with a soft and pliable attitude versus a hard and rigid one. And let me challenge you. This is what meekness means. Meekness here, it says, receive with meekness. Meekness is a a, a humble... uh, Listen, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is saying, I could could power up and sit on the throne of my heart and say, my will be done. I have that power and ability, and you do too. But meekness says, I am going to humbly submit that ability and say, not my will, but your will be done. Just like Jesus did. Just like our Lord and Savior did, and when you do that in your heart, it changes the countenance of your face. So I don't want you to focus on your countenance, but I want you to know that that. And believe me, when you speak in front of people, you see you not only see how they're dressed, but you see their heart, and you see countenances. And when our heart is tender, our countenance is soft. And I'm telling you, when our, hard, and when our heart is hard, the countenance... I mean, I'm telling you, it scares the bejeebies out of me sometimes to look at countenances when you're teaching God's Word. I mean, you know, I mean... And if you're not careful or if you're not diligent in guarding your heart, we project that and we don't even know it. You ever, you ever gone through a week where everybody asked, are you okay? Are you okay? You know why? They- and, and, and you're like... Why aren't everybody asking that? Because they see this. And it ain't looking good. And, and, And I'm not talking about mascara, ladies. I'm talking about, wow, are you okay? Well, anyway, that's enough. That's probably meddling. But let me say this. Let me challenge you with this. If we spent half the time we spend getting ready outwardly to come to church... If we spent half the time that we spent in front of the mirror getting ready, getting dressed, getting our clothes ready, if we spent half that time getting our heart inwardly dressed for church, the preaching and teaching here at our church would increase and and get better by twofold. And why is that? Not because we changed but because our heart has changed. not that we need, we, I'm not saying we don't need to improve in our preaching and teaching. I, I strive to improve in my communication. I, I, need, I need to work on it more than ever because the longer you're in it, the more you fall into patterns, and you've got to break out of that. But what I'm saying is, you, as that quote I read you, you can hear the best sermons, but if we haven't taken time to prepare our heart, then it's, not gonna, it's just not going to happen. And so hearers prove their lack of preparation by listening with hearts cluttered with wrong attitudes. They listen with hearts cluttered with wrong attitudes. Now let me just quickly give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 that our hearts are like ground. Have you ever tried to plant grass in your lawn? How many of have a lawn you try to plant grass? Ever tried plant grass? Now, maybe you guys are not as uh, lazy or, or uh, ignorant as I am about farming. How many of you have ever put seed down without preparing the soil? Okay, How, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Now, how'd that, how'd that go for you? It didn't work. Now, if there's no rain and you put the seed down, what happens? Nothing. The birds, eat it. the birds eat it. Okay. If it rains and you put the seed down like that, where where does it go, Randy? It goes with the water to the lowest point. And so the lowest point of your, heart, of your yard has this thick patch of wonderful grass that has been horribly overseeded. Why? Because it's all washed away. Now, I'm just, all I'm trying to tell you this morning is the same things happening right now. The seed of God's Word is being put on your heart and my heart on a weekly basis. But I'm telling you, if the ground has not been prepared, where is the seed going? Jesus said, Satan is the bird that gra- he grabs the seed that is on the hard soil. And the winds and the storms of life wash away. And I'm telling you it can happen cuz we've all done it. We can forget what we heard with, you know, we had the stats within a half hour of leaving here. Oh, I got to go here. Oh, tomorrow I got to do this. Some of you have VBS meeting. We got to have that meeting. We're going to have that over church. But if you're not careful and your your ground and heart has not been prepared today, all that you're going to learn right now is going to be washed away by the busyness of life. Wow. But you know what God does? He, he wants us, some, maybe our North Dakotans would know a harrow. You ever heard of a harrow? Do you know what harrowing is? No? No? You guys haven't farmed that much. A harrow is, you ever seen that tool with those sharp blades, round sharp blades that you pull behind a tractor? What's it do, Bill? You're, you're look, it, just, it just breaks that hard soil, and that's called a harrow. It's called heart, and when you do that, it's called harrowing. And what God is trying to tell us on this point is this: you need to harrow your heart. It's also called in Scripture breaking up fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground that has been left uh, dormant; it has not been touched, it has not been seeded, and it's hard, and the clods are there. And so, all I'm saying is, you've got to take confession and examination and time alone with God and say, God, break up the hard clods of my heart because I'm about to hear from you and I want that seed to come in and I want it implanted deep in my heart. Second point, doers prove they hoopakuo by going beyond listening to lasting life change. They go beyond listening. They go beyond receiving to actually doing. And that's what verse 22 22 says. See, he says in verse 21, receive the word, but he says, but wait a minute, but, but, I want to wake you up to the fact that it's not just hearing, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When I say receive the word, James says, I mean actively do it, not just passively listening to it. Do you realize hearing the word but not believing and acting on it is the same thing that demons do? Look at James 2:19. Turn your Bibles to James 2:19. In James 2:19, here's what James says. You believe that there is one God? You do well. That's true. There's only one God. Even the demons believe, but notice what he says, and tremble. Here's what he's saying. He says, He says, James, he's saying to his congregation, you guys are so passive in your listening that even demons respond more to the word of God than you do. Whoa. Here we are, listening. And here's demons listening. Not believing, not submitting, but doing this. You see, what happened today in America this past week is a lot of unbelievers shook because they heard that Christ might be coming. They don't believe it. They're not submitting to it, but they shook. And you know what's sad? Is the thought that Jesus is coming this week and any moment isn't even causing us to skip beat. and that's the difference. That's the difference. Turn to James four seventeen. James four seventeen. Look at James four seventeen. Here's the deathly judgment that comes upon hearers. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? It is sin. So here's the thing. Every time I listen to the Word of God, I know to do good. And every time I don't apply a sermon, what am I doing? I'm sinning. I'm sinning. Say, now, Chris, the bar, that's way too high. Well, I I have to kind of come back to Trina's, you know, what, what Trina was going to say to that lady. Well, it's not me that's saying it, it's God that's saying that. And that's just what he wants of his people. You say, whoa, well, man, I'm just not prepared to do that. Exactly, that's the point. We need to prepare. And we need to cry out to God God, I cannot apply what I'm hearing if you don't help me, but I've got to prepare. And he says, break up that hard ground and I will help you. Here's the thing. Failure to apply a sermon is more than just lazy listening. It's sin. And the proof that we've actually received God's Word is that we do it. To believe or to say anything else, it's self-deception. And that's the second thing I want you to see under this point. Hearers who only listen and never change are only deceiving themselves that they actually hoop a cool. You see, every time I listen to a sermon... Every time I hear a, a Bible lesson like this, every time I walk out and I don't apply, what I'm, I'm deceiving myself that, hey, you know what? This was a good Sunday. God's pleased with me. I'm okay. And I can do this week in, week out, year in, year out, and it'll all be okay. And you know what's even worse? I can deceive myself that I'm born again. I can deceive myself that I'm born again. Now, what are some of the self the warnings of self-deception? Hearers only continually miss the point of being exposed to God's Word. In fact, we rationalize, we justify, and we excuse our way out of obeying. When it says here, they are deceived. Deceiving yourselves, verse 22, that word deceiving means to miscalculate, to misjudge. It means we have used flawed or wrong reasoning to think, you know what? I know I should. I know I ought to stop this. I know this is how I ought to live, but, and that but is a miscalculation. That but is faulty reasoning. What are some of the excuses? Let me read them for you. Do I have them there for you? Huh? No? Okay, here's some of them. It's so hard. You ever use that excuse? You know, God teaches you, you know you ought to do it, and you go, but that's too hard. What about I can't? I can't. I know I should, but I can't. Self-deception. I've tried before. It doesn't work. You ever use that one? I've tried before. It doesn't work. Well, let's talk about how you how you tried. Let's talk about the circumstances. Let's let's talk about whether we were doing it in the power of the spirit. Listen, to all these excuses, it's so hard, I can't, I tried before. Here's here's the one thing we have to say as Christians. All things are possible if you are in Christ. All things are possible. The ingrafted, implanted Word, notice what it says. The implanted Word which is able to do what? Save your souls. Now, what's save mean? What's save me? The Word. Huh? Save means the word? No, you said what save? Yeah, what does save mean? Rescue. Rescue. What does save mean? Deliver. Rescue. Save. Now, we think it means, oh, I got saved X number of years ago. But what it means is, I, I do, do you need to be rescued right now from something, from sin? You see, that implanted word isn't just for your eternal salvation; it's for your daily deliverance from sin. And so, if I have God's word implanted in my heart, I can't say that I I have to stay in this sin. I cannot say that because it's able to save my soul, and I have to let it. Here's some other excuses. There are so many different interpretations. How can I know what to do? There's so many, you know. There's so many interpretations of the Bible, that, and it's always the Bible. There's so many interpretations of the Bible. You know what I do with that? I say, well, what's the, what's the specific thing that God wants you to do that he's saying to you, and what part of it don't you understand? For instance, what part of flee sexual immorality do you not understand? Okay? What part of love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength, what part of that is is fuzzy? Right? What part of forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you? What part of that is fuzzy? What part of repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is fuzzy? You see, we say that you know there's parts of the Bible that are hard to understand, hard to interpret. But I'm telling you, those aren't the parts that we struggle with. The struggling is with the clear teaching of the Word of God, and it's a smokescreen to say, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. See, there's no part of "Be ye holy, for I am holy" that we don't understand. Here's some other excuses of a self-deceived heart. You don't have to obey God's word. I'm under grace. I don't have to do that. Man, I'm telling you what. You talk to Christians about consistently going to church, and they immediately put the legalist button on you. I don't. Ha- I don't have to go to church. Really really okay it's called the lord's day take it up with him you know i i i'm under grace to expect me to apply everything i hear is legalistic well here's the thing the bible never separates faith from works it never separates obedience from grace and, and again, we've misunderstood what grace means. Grace means the ability to do what God wants as a free gift. Why well, have grace? You know, we, we define grace as the ability to not do anything that God says and still be God still be happy with me. That's our definition of grace. I can do anything I can, always be forgiven, and God will always be happy. He has to be. No, it's it's grace is the ability to be happy with what God wants me to do and to forsake my sin. So these are just some of the the, the excuses. Well, let's look at the illustration of using a mirror, because he says he he explains this deception thing in verse twenty three. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, and uses these self deceiving. Justifications, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, let's talk about this. Um, I, I've used this illustration before, and, and we were trying to find the picture. Uh, don't, never let anybody move help you move your house without hiding anything you don't want them to see. Because uh, there's a, a friend of ours that helped us move when we first moved here, and found the seventh grade picture, and he took it. He, I had multi, they were school pictures, and so you had all those little postage. Things and he took some of those to use against me for the future. Mm-hmm. And, and this seventh grade picture, you know, seventh grade is when you are just, you know, you're coming into your Jeremy you remember that you you don't remember 7th grade yeah we try to block it out. Well, okay, I'm going to share with you my experience. Because, you know, you're just really starting to, you know, the hormones are kicking in and life. You know, you're scared to death on the outside, but the the big front on the inside. And so this whole year, I was had my hair a certain way and, and dressing a certain way. Looking at myself, I, I had to. Every day in the mirror, getting ready, thinking, Pablo, I was just ready to take the 7th the grade Girls on, okay? <laughs> and then came class pictures. So you know you put on your best stuff, right? And so we get our class pictures, and then they come back. And all of a sudden, I looked at this picture, and I'm like, who is this ridiculous individual who is dressing this way? Because I had I had hair down to here, and my hair's naturally curly, What when I used to have some, more. And it would come out, and it would flip out, and then it would flip back under. So it so it come and I think I had it parted. I think I had it parted down the middle so it would come down, it would flip out and then and if I can find it I'll bring it and it's as scary as the earwax videos, I promise you. And then I had this maroon turtleneck on. This maroon, and I mean I you know, the only thing I was missing Todd was the medallion. If I had had a medallion I would have been rocking. And and and, and, and so here I am, looking at myself, dressing this way for the entire year. But I get this picture, and all of a sudden, it dawns on me, I look like an idiot. What am I? I was just so embarrassed. And I, I just, I suddenly, suddenly I saw myself. And, w- and whenever I read this passage, I always think of that year and that picture. Because for that whole year, I looked at my face in a mirror, and every day I didn't—I saw myself, but I didn't see myself. And then suddenly, in a captured picture that is not fleeting, that I couldn't turn away from, that I couldn't change, I couldn't create, it literally was who I really looked like, not who I thought I looked like. I wasn't the cool stud I thought I was. I was the geeky, nerdy guy with the weird hair and the ridiculous turtleneck and there it was, frozen in time. And that's exactly what happens with us. Listen, every week we come and we hear the Word of God and we hear it and we hear it and we think, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay. God thinks I'm really cool. God thinks I'm just okay. I am really, I'm, I'm just, I'm rocking it, you know. I may not have the medallion, but I'm okay. I'm doing really good. And God says that's what hearers do. Because what you need to do is really take a hard, long look. And when you take, and I'm telling you, the reason we don't get in this book more is because every time we get in it, we see who we really are. And we see how much we need a God of grace. And mercy to change us. And then we cry out and we say, God, I don't want to look like that anymore. I don't want to be that way anymore. Change me from the inside out. And that's what happens. And that's what should be happening. Listen, three things hearers only quickly forget. Number one, how much they need to change. We quickly forget how much... See, right now, God's rocking some of you guys' worlds. Right now, the Spirit is shouting to certain places in your heart. Right now, the spotlight of Scripture is shining, and you're like, man, I need to change. And then we walk out, and we immediately forget how much I need to change. Number two, we forget how much God disapproves of not changing. God is not pleased with Christians that remain in their sin. He is not pleased, and as a heavenly Father, He brings discipline to correct us, a loving disciple. Number three, we forget how much Christ did for them. We forget how much Christ did for them so they could change. We forget how much Christ has done so that we could change. But we have to look into the perfect law of liberty. Okay, we've got to move. What's the perfect law of liberty? Listen, instead of looking in a natural mirror, it says, verse 25, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is changed. And now, let's break this down. Why is it called the perfect law? First of all, it's called the law because God, Christ, did not come... To destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Christ wants to fulfill in you all of God's commands. The law has not been set aside. It's been fulfilled in Christ. It's called perfect. Why is it called perfect? Because it's complete. That word means complete. The perfect law of liberty comes with the power to do it. So Christ comes and says, I fulfill the law and I give you the power and the Holy Spirit to fulfill it so we can do it. And then it's called the perfect law of liberty because when we do God's will, we're set free from having to sin. We're set free from having to stay in bondage. Isn't that good news? That's great news. Okay, last last point. Last point is this doers prove they hoopakuo by doing good works that hearers only talk about they do the good works that hearers only talk about this is in verses 26 and 27 he ends you know it's so it's so funny he ends this message on listening to god's word by talking about doing works of compassion why because Someone once said uh, uh, the someone left a, 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 a worship service, and and the preacher had concluded, and, and someone met him and said, "Hey, is the sermon done?" And the answer was, "The sermon's been preached, but it's yet to be done." And that is that's that is the point. Doers know that personal application of God's word always leads to compassionate ministry to others. That's what VBS. Meeting after church. If you haven't signed up, come to the meeting anyway. There's a place for you. Get involved in VBS, compassionate ministry. Number two, hear, sit, and make suggestions from the sidelines. And they're usually critical suggestions. Here's the bottom line if the proof of the pudding is in the eating, then the proof of the hearing is in the living. And so I want to end with this the blessing of proof is from God on those who actually hoop a cuo. Look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, here's the key, this one and only this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, here's the point. We want God... Oh, I'm assuming. Do you want God to bless you? Do you want God to bless your parenting? your marriage, your studies, your pursuits in life? Do you want God's blessing on it? Listen, the thing He blesses is people who do what they hear from the Word of God. He blesses doers, not hearers. And so here's the spiritual skill, the blessing of proof. God will bless you. And, and, you know, that's just, that's a freaky thought to think, wow, you know what, I could come to church all my life, And I could listen to sermons all my life and take notes and pay attention and I could walk out and God will not bless me because He blesses the one who does what He hears. And that's the proof that this series has made a difference in our lives. Now next week is Memorial Weekend. Our one service is at 1045 but I want you to leave here today and go upstairs and I want you to ask yourself what's the one thing God's telling me today that I need to do so that I may be blessed let's pray Father in heaven we're, we're humbled to think that you've given us another day and Lord the reason you did not come back this week is because you're long suffering and you want us to to get right with you before you come back. You want lost people to accept you as their Savior, to cross the line from unbelief to belief. You want us as Christians to repent of apathy and laziness and pleasuring ourselves outside of your will. And you want us to find our joy and happiness in you and the adventure and the creativity And the greatness of pursuing your purposes in our lives. And so we thank you that you have delayed and yet we long for your coming. And so let us be doers. And let us do that one thing that you've really spoke to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.